Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, We have got a truly inspiring story to tell you in the next hour or so. A A man who dreamed... For as far back as he can remember uh, as a kid of one day playing rugby for the Wallabies. He achieved that uh, and along the way enjoyed a stellar career at club level as well, including a large stint uh, here at the Western Force. Uh, But incredibly, he did all this while also living with cystic fibrosis. And to the best of anyone's knowledge, he is the only person in the world to have played elite level contact sport with cystic fibrosis, a condition that was unknown to most of his teammates until he was well into his professional career. Uh, Since retiring, he has moved into sports administration and is now at the helm of Rugby WA at an exciting time uh, for the sport here in WA, particularly with the force back in the fold uh, in the Super Rugby Comp. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Nathan Charles. How are you? Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me on today. Really appreciate it and a very, very warm welcome. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. It is one of those truly inspiring stories, I think, for a lot of people. Um, But also one, I I guess, uh, your cystic fibrosis. I I know for a long time you didn't want it to be the thing that defined you. So I I apologise in advance for talking about it a lot over this next hour. But I suppose it is an incredible part of your story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it defines you know the person I am today. Um, everyone's got their their their, I guess, um, journeys in life, and this is part of mine. And it does not define me. It's just a part on the road that I have to deal with uh, along the way. Um, and yeah, um, early on in my life, it was not something that was openly talked about um, outside of my family. And um, as I sort of grew a bit more comfortable, probably understood the condition more, how it affected me, and it be probably felt more accepted. Uh, it then became easier to talk talk about, and uh, you know, and then obviously moving into my professional career, I didn't want some, it, it, it to be something that um, either made a, a selector think twice about picking me, or um, anyone go, oh, it, wouldn't that be nice, you know, sympathy story or anything else. So mm. I was uh, I was very hell bent on making it there first and foremost of my rugby ability, and then this came out afterwards, and you know, since uh, I've been comfortable to talk about it, become the national ambassador for Cystic Fibrosis Australia and have done that for the last 11 years. Um, and basically I see my role there as uh, creating a wider awareness, being, mm. being an ambassador, um, profiling the condition 
and you know obviously being linked to a a, a worldwide sport in rugby union uh, it carries weight mm. and it's a and it is a good story oh it's it's, so, it's incredible yeah, yeah. Pe- people want to hear positive stories you know resilience overcoming adversity all these types of things so as i mentioned before i do a I do do a lot of uh, motivational, inspirational um, mm. talks and it's not just about the CF but it's about the journey that I've been on, the adversity that I've faced and the resilience that I've built up over my life to, you know, not let anything get in your way of achieving your end mm. goal. Uh, I'm sure <coughs> most people have heard the term cystic fibrosis many, many times but perhaps don't fully understand what it is. Can you give us a, a pretty simple explanation of, of what cystic fibrosis actually is and, and then I'll get you to talk about, you know, what it is like to live with it because it's obviously not something you lose as you continue through life. You, you know, it's something you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis even now. But, but tell us firstly, what is it? Yeah, so cystic fibrosis is the most common genetic condition in Caucasians worldwide. It's a, um, it's a genetic condition, um, basically, you know, mixed chromosomes. I'm not sure how all that it works. Mm. But it affects the, the lungs and digestive system, so respiratory and digestion. Um, so it's basically creates uh, extra thick, sticky mucus in the airways, uh, causing irreversible lung damage and, and in most cases an early death. Um, and then from a digestion point of view, um, uh, only recently have I found that my pancreas no longer works, so now I have to take pancreatic enzymes uh, every time I eat food so um, to help the food digest. Right. So a lot of people you see with cystic fibrosis will be quite of a slim, slim, slim nature, yep. struggle with, um, you know, the digestion of food, putting on weight and whatnot. Um, I was fortunate enough for a large part of my life it was working and only recently found out it's not. So part and parcel. Mm. Um, so essentially uh, breathing and, and, and eating is the two areas that are... <laughs> two fairly important body functions. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, day-to-day uh, what you need to do... Um, you mentioned tablets there to sort of overcome the the pancreas issue, but um, you know to to clear air, your airways. I mean, I, I can I can recall um, speaking to someone who had cystic fibrosis who, who talked about you know sort of every every morning waking up and someone pounding their back just to get the yeah. lungs sort of moving and get the air flowing. Is that something you have to contend with as well? Yeah, well, actually one thing I didn't say before, uh, which I should have, was uh, when I was born the life expectancy was only 17. Wow. And uh, the time that I've been alive, we've seen that with, with the advancement of medicine and research and, and medication, <coughs> that has been drawn out. Um, there still is a life expectancy, which isn't good enough um, in my eyes, but it has it has gotten a lot better but going on to your question just now, um, yeah, that was very much my childhood is waking up, um, you're taking medications and basically getting percussion um, mm. on your back and chest to move all the mucus around to, to, uh, get, to get rid of it, for, to remove it. Um, I, I used exercise as a substitute a lot, but nowadays... We have like breathing machines, so you know, like a nebulizer type, like a nebulizer. But um, we 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 call these, uh, you know, essentially like you know when you're blowing up a balloon. Yeah, you're you're exerting. Um, so it's essentially a breathing mechanism like that, which just creates a bit of resistance. You've got to push through, so it's opening up your airways, breaking down some of the mucus that's on your um, within your airways and on the lungs, and 
ultimately trying to mm. remove that from the system. So, like I said, I've used exercise as a um, as a treatment, as a substitute for a long, long time, and uh, but it's not enough. you still got to do more and more and more to make yeah. sure that you stay top-notch. Uh, tell me what it was like then as a kid. You said that your parents didn't make a big deal of it. Uh, clearly they would have been, I suppose, hiding their concerns to some extent so that it didn't hinder you or feel like your life was going to be diminished in any way. Um, Having said that, you know, growing up as a kid and and having to take all those tablets and um, having to go through that morning routine to get you going, um, you must have been somewhat aware that you had a condition that maybe all your mates at school didn't. Yeah, I knew I was different because the size of the uh, the nebulizers back then were probably the size of two bricks and it probably weighed <laughs> yeah, the same right. too. So, you know, I had to do that morning and night and each time was 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, so it's it's even though you're just sitting there doing nothing, you've still got to do it. And then the questions come. So, uh, you know, want to go stay at your mate's place? Well, I was going to say, yeah, if you've got yeah. a mate staying over or something and yeah. you wake up and do that, that's, yeah. yeah. Kind of wanted to hide it. Yeah. Because um, you get questions, oh, what's that for? And, you know, you sometimes people, there's, there's this mis- misconception that people think it's quite like asthma. It's, mm. it's, a, it's not really, to be fair. Yeah, it's respiratory, but it's a lot deadlier. <clears throat> um, but... Yeah, it was just easiest to go, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, just to r- brush it off. Mm. Yeah, mum and dad uh, did do a good way of hiding, you know, the, the severity of it. Um, and I, I was always a, a learn-by-mistakes type of person. So, you know, until it affected my rugby or something, then I was like, oh, okay, I can't do that mm. anymore or this. Um, I, I definitely was wrapped in cotton wool to an extent um, mm. as a child, but in the same sense... Uh, my parents didn't hold me back from anything. Yeah. So I was trying to be as cautious as possible without restricting my um, me growing up or experiencing things in world and in in the world and yeah. Yeah. So. Um, tell me about when this this dream of playing for the Wallabies first took hold. I mean, did you grow up in a in a rugby loving family, for instance? Yeah. Uh, ever since I can remember, it was rugby. It was Wallabies. It was green and gold. Um, uh, yeah, the, the old man played uh, just subbies in Sydney for um, for rugby. He, he did it probably for for differing driving factors. I think that was hanging out with the, with his mates and drinking <laughs> drinking beers. Mm. And my uncle, his brother played. My pop was the team manager, and you know my brother grew up playing. So my best mates, you know, it was all rugby related. Mm. Um, our friendship circles, all of that. So um, you know. And, it was always what I wanted to be. Back then it was the catch crowers want to be a wallaby and that's what I wanted to be yeah. um, when who, I was a kid. Who were the heroes for you growing up? Yeah, who were the players yeah. you idolised? Uh, yeah, Phil, Phil Kearns, um, Timmy Horan. Uh, you know, you can't, it's hard to go past uh, John Lomu. Um, you know, some of those those characters, Yusuf mm. Andervestes and the, the nine for South Africa. So I, I, I truly loved international rugby. Um, but the accessibility to the players in your own country and um, seeing them firsthand, you know, it really has, I guess, an intangible benefit to a, a young person growing up in a sport they love so much. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier you are the only person that we're aware of that played elite-level contact sport with cystic fibrosis. Can I ask, did, did your, your parents or your, your doctors at any point go, mate, we need to just rein it in a little bit here this might not be the best option for you was it never 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 no way um so the doctors were 100 percent supportive absolutely i I think there's 
again, there's a um, the first the first reaction um, for a lot of people is when you, you know um, talking to my mum and dad. First reaction to a lot of people is just is to rein everything in. Yeah. Um, you know, because of the fear of the unknown. Um, but you know, my parents were always like, "Well, no, let's." Like I said before, you protect you as much as possible, but we don't want to hold you back from doing anything. Mm. Um, so, no, the doctors always encouraged me. You know, my, my GP growing up happened to be a rugby man himself. <laughs> he was so, right behind you there. So he was like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they were all very supportive. Um, yeah. my, my specialists, Dr. Peter Cooper um, at Westmead Children's Hospital, um, always encouraged to do everything um and uh no they're all very supportive of yeah um, you can do anything put your mind yeah get everything right and you can achieve and in, in terms of pivotal moments i know you've you've mentioned before uh, a chance meeting with a couple of your rugby heroes that you mentioned there uh there's a great story around that in a hot dog eating contest as well i'll yeah. get you to tell that uh, right after we take a break this is inspiring stories nathan charles is our special guest we'll be back with more right after this you're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of uh, former uh, rugby champion Nathan Charles and now uh, also National Ambassador for Cystic Fibrosis. Uh, Nathan, tell us about this moment uh, as a kid. I understand you went to the opening of a, of a store, happened to be a couple of your, your rugby heroes there. Uh, I suppose it was your first you know, real-life encounter with these wallabies that you'd been idolising. Tell us that story. Yeah, I'll, look, I'll give Harvey Norman a plug here. It, wasn't, <laughs> it was a Harvey Norman store opening. Uh, and, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, the old man being a rugby person himself, um, store opening, sausage sizzle. So they were just the, the celebrity call-outs for the opening yeah. of this Harvey Norman store? Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. So I think they were the partners at the time. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was Phil Kearns, Tim Horan, a few of the, few of the legends at the time. Um, and uh, all I remember is um, basically I don't even remember eating the hot dogs, to be fair. So how, how young would you have been <coughs> Oh look, I would. I, I four, five. Yeah, right. Six. Yeah, you know, so at, at, hazy memories. Yeah, yeah, very, very young. <laughs> but I've still, I've actually still got this poster today, um, and I've got all the signatures on there. But uh, Kearnsy, Phil Kearns, um, signed it and said, "Great hot dog eating." So I was a, little, I was a bit <laughs> of a chubbier, chubbier kid when I was younger. So, so the um, pancreas is working the pancreas just fine, working well and truly <laughs> in overdrive. So. Um, yeah, I've still got that poster today and, um, yeah, that's just a, a fond memory. And I, I talk to about accessibility mm. um, and it's actually something, you know, in today's sporting landscape is um, the people want – they want that accessibility to the players. Mm. Um, you know, coming coming through when I was I – was, I always made sure that I wanted to be accessible because mm. you don't know the impact you can have on a young person, mm. uh, boy or girl, and the, coming through. The impact it had on me, like I said before, is in, intangible and look where I am now and mm. what I'm doing. So I wanted to have the same impact I possibly could on the younger generation coming through. Yep. Not for anything more than if we can just keep this great game growing and um, moving forward. Yeah. 
How many hot dogs did you put away? I reckon I put around eight. No, I, I got no idea. Absolutely no As idea. As a four or five year old, that I, would I've, be I've got, uh, impressive. I've got absolutely no idea. Yeah. yeah. Having said that, I mean, accessibility is, is fantastic. The, the, the dream was already pretty well established and nothing was going to steer you off that path, right? Yeah, I, I had, a, had an absolute belief. I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to be a wallaby one day. Mm. Um, or when I was growing up, that was, at the, that was in the mind subconsciously. Every decision I made around my rugby and, you know, even with my schoolmates going out, you know, when you start, um, you know, drinking and partying and all that, it was still at the forefront wars, you know. So I, I was just very hell-bent and focused on achieving that goal. Mm. Um, and I just never thought I was never going to. And it's you know it's even now like transitioning out of rugby, uh, prof- like playing professionally. You know, I, I truly believe if you want something bad enough, you will do it. If you believe you can do it, you won't let anything get in your way. Um, so I, I have that belief. It's just actually people buying into that, mm. that mental resolve and resilience to go. You know, you will get knocked down, but am I putting myself in the best position to achieve my ultimate goal? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Look. It was a dream, um, and I'm fortunate enough. It, mm. it was a short-lived dream, might I add, but geez, I was fortunate enough to be able to wear the green and gold mm. and uh, have a have a wallaby numbers. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you to talk more about that uh, mm. a, a little later in our in our chat. Um, tell me about your high school days. I know you were um, a boarder at Knox Grammar. For, for those who don't understand the the Sydney schooling uh, elite over there, I mean Knox is one of the prestige schools in Sydney, right? Yeah, uh, and you went there as a boarder. What was that like for a, you know a kid who had to manage cystic fibrosis, going from the family home to being a boarder in this high pressure, you know, elite boys' high school in Sydney? Yeah, uh, fantastic school, fantastic memories. I look back fondly on you know my year seven through to twelve there. Boarding just added another um, uh, angle to to my school and experiences. So I boarded the last couple of years of school just to manage my study and uh, yep. my rugby and everything. Um, I, I love the tradition and I love the history of what the school presents, um, and I, I love the accessibility to the resources, to the the um, a, again. Knox was a Knox provided the opportunities for you to better better yourself as a person. Uh, you know the school motto virally agata is do the manly thing and um, you had all opportunities at your fingertips it's whether you wanted to take them or not and that Mm. goes from tutoring of an afternoon in maths or English which I did um, not by choice but (laughs) um, you know to 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 rugby training um, of the afternoons as well and the school actually worked with you to support your dreams and your goals um, so I had fantastic memories. Um, and then boarding, like I said, was just excellent because I was boarding in a dorm room with uh, – there was 12 of us in there and 12 yeah. of you great mates, Yeah, all rugby boys, all come home from school, play touch on the field, smash a few toasted sandwiches, <laughs> get into prep and, you know, do, do your thing. So it was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, alluding to the question of how I managed the CF, that was probably the time I yeah. started to – um, not have mum around and, you know, through my failings or mistakes learnt that oh, I need to pick things up a bit better. Leading on to, you know, people ask about tips of advice and I say knowledge is power. So mm. in regards to CF, understanding what the condition is, how it affects you, what might trigger certain symptoms, medications, blah, 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 blah. And then um, 
just uh, basically exercise is the best medicine. Mm. So those are two things I still follow today. Um, and I learned that through, like I said, my failings mm. and understand um, how to manage it better um, on my own accord. So that was a big learning for me. And I understand one of the things that you did uh, put into practice was, I suppose, just trying to minimise your exposure to... You know, any colds or viruses or flus that might have been doing the rounds at the time because obviously they can affect you in a more profound way than someone who doesn't have cystic fibrosis might experience that. Um, you know, things like just not sharing a water bottle and stuff like that. How did that go down with your teammates when they weren't aware that you had CF? How, how, did, how did all that go? Did they just think you were a bit of a weird... Yeah, they thought a bit, a bit of an odd bod. Um, you know, people will still say that today. Bit of a, a germaphobe. Of, yeah, a bit yeah. of a germaphobe, but... Um, look, I just did my own thing. I, you know, everyone's unique, their own person, and this yeah. was, again, just part of who I am. So yeah, I was always weird to uh, with around the water bottle situation. So if 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 I didn't, <clears throat> if there wasn't my own water bottle, I'd pick up one that was shared. I'd spray it and I'd wipe down the the top of it, and everyone's looking at me, going, "What what what's wrong with you?" So yeah. you know, I, I was well in it. I was well prepared for you know the pandemic where where I was going to say so, yeah. Um, and in terms of, yeah, people with colds and flus and stuff, I would just avoid them like the plague. So even even like shaking hands, I might just – we call it the CF handshake. It's the fist pump. Yeah. So um, – Again, ahead of your time. Yeah, ahead of my time. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a groundbreaker here. So, um, you know, just little things. And if I can avoid – and some of them – and it might be just the one percenters, but if, as you mentioned, if I was to get a cold, it just then – it's a snowball effect. Mm. So the normal cold and flu will knock someone for a couple of days and they'll just get better. But the cold and flu for me will knock me for a couple of days, but then that'll um, uh, enhance the chest infections, which I've already got to make them worse. And then it's just a, a, a three or four you know, day cold or flu will then turns into a four, five, six week yeah. um, chest infection and then more medications and... So, All of that. So, so best to yeah. remove yourself as much as you possibly could. Yeah, yeah. And no, yeah. like I said, I tried to be as hygienic as possible. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not OCD, but um, I just like. You have to be cautious as to an extent. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's a, a real focus at a place like Knox on you know your academic excellence as well. If rugby hadn't have <clears throat> panned out for you, what was your your fallback option? What would you be doing? Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Like really? I before um, I was so hell bent on. Being a professional rugby player, uh, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Yeah. So I, I didn't have a plan B per se in the sense of I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. I knew I wanted to be a rugby player. Um, I did all the right things with the study and academics, went to uni, got qualifications, um, you know, I've got a master's. So I've, I've done the study. Um, it was just I, I couldn't have said, oh, I want to go into finance or I want to go into business. Sport was just where I wanted to mm. Yeah. So, um, and that, you know, leads me here to where I am. Absolutely. Today. Still plenty to get through. Uh, after we uh, take a quick break, uh, Nathan, I'll get you to explain how you came to be in the fold here at the Western Force. Uh, and then, I suppose, working your way into, towards uh, your ultimate goal of, of, of pulling on the green and gold and playing for the Wallabies. This is Inspiring Stories. Nathan Charles is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Nathan Charles, uh, current uh, CEO of Rugby WA, but also uh, a Wallabies uh, champion and also Western Force champion as well. Uh, after school, Nathan, I know we're sort of glossing over sort of, you know, the the ebbs and flows of your, the early stages of your career, but tell us what got you over to Perth uh, to pull on the Western Force jersey at Guernsey. Yeah, I might actually just take it back a step because mm. uh, it, it's funny how when you when I reflect on my career how things work. Um, when I, when my final year of school, I was fortunate I made the Australian schoolboys rugby team, and as my my school year finished up, I was getting a few um, offers to into programs, and the Western Force was actually one of them, their academy program. Um, and I just remember someone coming around to my house and, you know, presenting to family and I around the perks of living in WA and they showed me Harvey Field, Cottesloe, yeah. and that beautiful view um, over the rugby field. Um, I didn't accept the offer initially, just holistic view, wanted to go to university, study. <coughs> I chose to go to Sydney University to play rugby. I went to college and um, I studied there in the one place. So it was um, all-encompassing. Yep. So that's the decision I made. Um, and I absolutely loved my time at uni as well. Mm. You know, the experience of living in a college, um, uh, enjoying those things. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, going to tutorials and lectures uh, during the day and then, you know, training. If you are lucky. If, you, if I was lucky. <laughs> I was pretty good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, going to training of an afternoon. So it was just a great um, time and learning for me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after a year there, I got offered and accepted an offer down for the Brumbies. Spent two years there. And then I uh, literally um, was on a, a trial game for uni down at uh, camp at, uh, at John's College there. And uh, the old man just at halftime goes, mate, you need to get off the field. Um, Mitch Hardy, the general manager of the forces, called and he said they need you there right now. So it was a matter of, you know, speaking to my the Brumbies coach because, like, I was coming through and I was sat behind two Wallabies hookers at the time in yep. Stephen Moore and Hugh Edmonds. So I called up the coach and said, look, I've been offered a two-week um, I need to injury gap. It's two weeks. Um, my coach, Andy Friend at the time, very supportive, said, well, yeah, if you can get that exposure, that's great for us as it is for you. So go but you've got to come back mm. yeah no worries two weeks came over here i think i flew over on the uh monday or the tuesday um and then we had a game that friday so i was meeting a lot of guys for the first time on the wednesday yeah. I, I knew a handful from uni days and then i was meeting the rest of the guys um wednesday thursday training and then i ended up making my debut against the stormers in 2010 um when david hill kicked that uh, winning field goal after the siren so and then, uh, yeah, that went well. The next week went quite well. Their injury continued on, so we came to an agreement with the Brumbies and um, the force and ended up signing a two-year deal. So two weeks then turned to two years and then um, things went quite well and then two weeks turned into seven or eight seasons. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was quite an interesting journey and I've sort of made WA my home. Uh, met my met my wife, who's actually from the East Coast, mm. um, in, in WA, and I actually proposed to her at, at Harvey Field. So I did read somewhere that it was uh, in Cottesloe that you popped the question. Yeah. I should mention this is Verity Charles, West yep. Coast Fever. Um, obviously, a, <laughs> very much a, a sports loving couple. Um, having said that, 
I understand, I mean, we're jumping ahead now to you. We've gone down the romantic road here, uh, Nathan. Planning your wedding, I understand, was quite a, a mission too because, you know, you were off playing in Europe at the time and, you know, she had her commitments here. It was all a bit of a mission to put put that together. Yeah, Let's it, just sidetrack for a minute and, yeah. and, and, and go through that story. Yeah, that was, um, geez, that's a hell of a story. Um, so, yeah, we we uh, were engaged and due to get married on the uh, oh, look at my ring because it's actually got in Roman numerals the, the initial date, <laughs> yeah, the right. actual date. Um, we're supposed to get married on the 9th of December and uh, I was coming back from a shoulder reconstruction. Stuff at the force was not great with, you know, them being removed and um, me being injured and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Won't go into that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got offered a, a contract uh, at Clermont in France but the contract was they needed me up until the I think it was the twelfth of December. So yeah. that meant I was going to miss the initial date of our wedding. So just said to them, well, part of the negotiation, I'm missing my wedding. You know, you, I think you know how it goes. Mm. And so we had to push everything back a week. So then I'd I'd literally flown over. It all happened very quickly, and I was coordinating doing the wedding planning from France with supplies, timings, and all that sort of stuff. So um, flew back. I uh, hadn't seen Verity in two months. And the first time I saw her was, uh, you know, pretty much walking down the aisle. It's like married at first sight. It kind of was. <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, again, it was part of our journey, part of yeah. the experience. It's something we can talk to and look back fondly. Yeah. And, um, got married in at Wills Domain and yelling up. So, beautiful. again, another beautiful place in WA. Mm. And then I understand even after you <coughs> got married, you then had to go and spend more time apart through your respective sporting contracts. Yeah, so, you know, I was fortunate Verity did get to come over to France for a little bit and get yeah. to experience that, but we did spend a bit of time apart. And then, yeah, I, I think I got a couple of weeks, um, probably about a month at home, and then I pretty much spent the next 18 months, uh, close to two years on the road in, in England, in Bath. Yeah. So, again, Verity got to come across in, in sporadic moments, but we did spend a significant time apart. Um, so, you know, the first couple of years of our, our marriage was um, doing a bit of long distance, but mm. we both made an agreement that, you know, our sporting careers are short, mm. make the most of the experiences and the opportunities. And as mentioned, she got to come across and experience international um, experiences with my rugby career, so, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but, yeah, after two years, um, a number of injuries, concussions, I'd sort of was ready to hang up the boots and come yeah. back and start a, start a life. And, and, and good for the pair of you to share the same postcode these days. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> it was a bit of a transition, let me tell you, Tim. Yeah. But, um, look, it was, it was great and Verity's been extremely supportive and now that I've hung up the boots, she is well and truly um, dominating in her respective field and yeah. made her Australian debut this year as well, so I couldn't yeah, be prouder. fantastic. Let's go back to your early force days here and the path that uh, that you were then on that uh, led you into the Wallabies fold uh, as well. Um, obviously, you know, coming to Perth all happened very quickly for you. How long did it take you to settle in? What, your, what were your initial impressions of life here in the West? Um, well, it was just like a big country town. Mm. Um, you know, you, there was no Sunday trading. Um, sort of weekends were just a bit like, well, what do you do with yourself? Coming from Sydney, hustle and bustle, everything's mm. happening. It's a much slower pace. And, um, and did you like that? I, I, I did. 
yeah, I did. It was a lot more relaxed, and I do like the um, more more laid back lifestyle here. But it just took a bit of while. I didn't know many people, so um, you know, and I like I like to know people outside of my work circle as well. So I had all the rugby guys, and um, but then I also want to try and make a life outside, which I have and um, have now. But yeah, the the beaches, the people, and just the lifestyle in WA—it's hard to beat. Mm. So I, no, I well and truly love it. It's just—it's just far away from yep. home in Sydney. Yeah. Um, let's fast forward to the time when you told your teammates about your CF. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what the build-up was to that? Why did you get to a point where you felt okay? I think now is the time uh, for me to open up. Yeah, and so share this part of yourself with, with your teammates. Yeah, so this was just towards the end of my time at the Brumbies and I hadn't yet made my Super Rugby debut. So I was sitting in a, a, a university tutorial one day and um, I had my phone on silent but I, I heard it vibrate and I just sort of looked at it and I was like, oh, it's Andy Friend, it's the coach. And I was kind of like, well, if he's calling me, I, I don't know if this could be good. Mm. Um, I hope I'm not getting sacked or I've done anything <laughs> wrong. So I excused myself from my tutorial, took the phone, and he just said, how you going? Yep, yep, good. Man, I've heard you've got MS. I was like, friendy, what's what's MS? He goes, oh, multiple sclerosis. I said, oh, no, I, that's, I've got CF, cystic fibrosis. He goes, oh, right, right, right. Well, on Monday when you're back in, come into my office first thing in the morning, let's have a chat. And that was sort of how it ended, and I was mm. like, oh. Funny how the rumours yeah. can get twisted I, along the way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. So... Um, <laughs> So I was like, okay. So Monday morning, sort of walk in, you know, with my towel between my legs, um, just a bit nervous about what was to, mm. to come. And um, he just sort of said, look, why didn't you say anything? And my response was, I didn't want to be discriminated, didn't want to be ch- uh, treated any differently. I just want to be judged on my rugby and, and that's it. You know, I've got this controlled in-house and um, have done my whole life. He goes, look, that's all well and good, but we have a team of experts here, doctors um, uh, that have contacts locally, whatever, that can help you. So we're a big family, essentially. We want to work together and make Mm. you um, be the best player you can be. You will be Mm. treated the same, but everyone's got something they need to deal with, and if we can assist you to move forward, we will. Mm. And uh, that gave me a lot of confidence and support and... um, and he actually just said, well, look, I think it's you should tell your teammates. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, not sure about that. I was a bit nervous. So I built up a bit of courage and I said, look, can I present to him maybe the last day before Christmas, before we go on break, you know, because then it just gives me, you know, can get it yeah, done. Yeah, a bit of breathing sort of, space. Yeah. yeah. Yep, great. So I'd done a presentation and um, I remember getting up and I was, a, I was a rookie. So I started getting up with this presentation in front of, you know, your likes of Matt Giddos, your Rocky Elsom, like these guys that I'd been growing up watching and playing. And there must be – the look on their face, Tim, was just, what is this young fella doing? <laughs> Sit down type thing. So I was a bit nervous and I, I literally had my presentation up and I couldn't get through the first sentence without choking up. Yeah. And I just started crying. It never happened to me before and I, just, I couldn't speak. Um, and then uh, actually my buddy at the time, like one of the senior players, um, Nick Henderson, came up, put his arm around me and started reading um, the presentation for me until I sort of got my, uh, stuff, my stuff together. And, wow. Um, and then I sort of took over and just sort of wanted to tell the guys what I go through, what it is, how it affects me. And 
um, reason I hadn't said anything. And it was it was a it was a huge moment in my life. I bet. Um, and then even afterwards, everyone counts with, look, is there anything we can do? Mm. Just let us know. We'll help. Um, but otherwise, you're still going to be holding the bags and getting beaten up like with pulp <laughs> and all that. So we're not going to treat you differently, which is all mm. I wanted. Mm. Um, and were they true to that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So didn't get treated any differently, but it was just an, it became an awareness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even to this day, you know, you have some people going, look, I didn't fully understand and now I've got a better education and awareness about it, like what you're going through and blah, blah, blah. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty – it can be overwhelming – but at the same time, the rugby community and what it's done for me in that regard has been um, second to none. Yeah. And looking back on uh, that moment and how profound it was for you, do you wish you'd done it any sooner or was that the right time? I think that was the right time. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely because uh, just I guess it just felt right. It was yeah. the, I think it was the right time. Yeah. And, and since that point, um, did any of those fears for you come to fruition those fears that it would then define you and people would treat you differently because obviously you still had a big chunk of your career ahead of you oh did, did, yeah. did any of that actually play out yeah naturally um yeah, yeah it, it did i mean you know i sit here today based on that mm. story rather than more so my rugby mm. um you know what i mean so mm. <coughs> excuse me my I, I wanted to be nathan charles the rugby player yep. that had cf not nathan charles rugby uh you know um the, who has CF that plays rugby, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah, na- naturally it did because it's a good story. It, mm. it is, and I get that, and I'm okay with that. Mm. Um, and I, my, my, you know, my ego is you know, in check enough to go, look, what good can I do for creating wider awareness and whatnot? I just didn't want to be treated any differently, yep. and that's it. So it, it, it did um, because, it again, in the media and in the news outlets that um, we deal in today, it's it's a it's a sexy story, uh, as some people would say, and it's got a good news um, attached to it. So it's naturally going to attract. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it is a fantastic story. Yeah. So There's no, no other way to, to I, I, see it yeah. really. Yeah. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. So um, I think I'm at peace with that, and I want to do as much as I possibly can to raise the awareness. Yeah. For CF, what it does, and the research we're doing to try and one day achieve our vision of lives unaffected yeah. by CF. Yeah. What a goal. Um, speaking of your personal goals, though, pulling on the Wallabies uh, jumper, we still haven't talked about uh, what a moment that was for you. Uh, that's uh, all coming up right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Nathan Charles is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the story of Nathan Charles. Uh, Nathan, we've, we've kind of built up to this big moment in your life, uh, getting the call up for the Wallabies. Uh, can you remember how that news was delivered to you? Was it a phone call, an email? Talk us through it. Yeah, it was a, it was a phone call from you and Mackenzie and um, I'll never forget it. I was sort of... I was in two minds. I was like, is this actually happening? Yeah. Um, he called me and said, I've been playing great rugby and I was going to be in the squad and um, he can't can't, uh, can't wait to work with me and see what I have to, to do on the field. So, um, yeah, look, even to this day, just the goosebumps I get and the excitement I feel around that experience in itself and um, I was just absolutely ecstatic and through the roof to receive that call and the personal experience that attached to it. Mm. 
on the phone to mum and dad pretty quickly, aren't Yeah, I, honestly, after that, it was just such a blur because I genuinely wasn't, you know, you, you know, something so good happens and I, I got off the phone, I was like, did that actually just happen? Yeah. I genuinely was like, I'm not sure. So I, was, you know, called mum and dad, the family, and then it was all announced that night. So yeah. it was sort of a reaffirmation, it actually did happen. And then, yeah, that sort of came out. But I genuinely was like, I, uh, did that actually happen? Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ewan is often quoted as saying that you personally, you know, defied science, defied logic uh, to get there. So, you know, your CF was certainly part of the story around you making your national debut by then. But uh, I suppose for you, was it hard to concentrate on just being the best player you could be on the field while this other narrative is is just exploding in the media? Oh, not at all, because I think the narrative in the media takes care of itself. Yeah. Where... You know, I was in a I was in a, a bubble per se of a rugby camp, and yeah. um, you know, when you when you're getting beaten up most days, you're pretty sore. So you got other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. It was the last thing in my mind, to be honest. Um, you know, learning new lineout calls, getting new plays. There's a lot going on, and also taking in the excitement. Yeah. And then most importantly, trying to get away from it to, yeah. to not um, burn yourself out. Yeah. Um, on a weekly basis, so. No, it was easy to focus. Um, it was just such an exciting time. And like I said, short-lived, um, you know, due to an injury and whatnot. But, uh, geez, I could um, just relive those memories like yeah. yesterday. Well, well, let's relive it uh, briefly. T- talk us through your debut, what that was like, you know, standing out in the field, hearing the anthem, all of that. Yeah, it was uh, in, in Melbourne. I'm at Etihad Stadium. Uh, I had, uh, you know, family and best mates uh, come across for it. And, um, you know, it was... It was a very tight affair. I think it was 6-0 and mm-hmm. I got put on for the last five, six minutes. And, uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Um, I was, yeah, uh, it was just crazy. Again, a bit of a whirlwind. And then the afterwards, you're again presented with your cap and um, singing the anthem up mm. with the boys in the change rooms. Those are uh, those are things you never forget. Yeah. I, I know that, uh, you know, you obviously with the Western Force things – fell apart and at a, at a more of an administrative level there and you know that's a whole story in itself um you went across and played for for a little bit with the melbourne rebels um at what point did you think it's time for me to hang up the boots i'm done here yeah i i, I knew before i went to the melbourne rebels so i went from the force overseas for two mm-hmm. years and then came back via the rebels so my contract yeah. in europe was coming to an end and i knew in myself, I was like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the last few bit, and then it just wasn't fun anymore. It just wasn't fun. I was away from my wife. My body just couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. I had a number of concussions. Uh, I was sort of being pushed medically towards one side, um, and I was, you know, at peace with that. And then I got a call from uh, the rebels saying, "Look, we've got a bit of an injury crisis with the hookers. Um, could you help us out for a couple of months?" So I just thought, well, yeah. Uh, and I was made it pretty clear, like I'm on my way out. Mm. I almost also came back to Australia, so it's a, it was almost a good segue. Mm. Maybe just gave myself a bit more time um, to ease way back in. So yeah, and and just to top it off, I didn't really enjoy my time um, towards the end there either. And I just knew, like this is it. Mm. I've got to move on to something else. And uh, it was the right decision. So yeah, I think my body had had enough. My mind, mentally, I was just checked out, done. And, you know, I think that was probably reflective in how I was playing as well. I just wasn't the, the, the person or the player I was 
two or three years ago. So I was well and truly, uh, well and truly done. I, sh- yeah. I really struggled with my injuries late towards my career. Yeah. And you, just you, you ripped a, a pectoral muscle off the bone at one point. Yeah, that was that my sounds la- horrific. That was in my last Wallabies game. Yeah, that was my last ever Test match. Tore my pec off the bone, and then that was followed up by a dislocated shoulder, which required shoulder surgery, and then so it was just major after major. Yeah, and you're in catch up mode, especially when you're sort of moving to different clubs too. You want to make a good impression, and when you when you're coming back from injury, it's it's tough. Yeah, so that took a huge mental burden, and I was pushing my body, and it was just tough. Mm. So um, I was burnt out of both ends. Yeah, it was time. Yeah, it was. Um, very quickly, the the force, uh, you know, when it was effectively booted out of the comp, um, that must have been a hard time for you as a player. Yeah, that happened a year after I'd I'd left. Yeah. Um, but you know, seeing my, what you'd built. Yeah. There, my, my whole rugby career professionally in Australia mm. uh, at a club level was at the force. Mm. And you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not huge on legacy in terms of my name and all that sort of stuff, but the legacy that we built as a club, as a team and what it represented for Western Australia, that was really sad. Mm. Um, and I was sad to see that, you know, in, in 10, 15 years time to look back and if it's not there. Um, so to have them re-emerge back into the fold now mm. and we'll be moving forward. It, yeah. was, it was it was really good, really good to see. And in fairly recent times, you've taken over the helmet rugby WA. Pleased to say two things are looking rosier for the sport here in WA too, aren't they, with the Super Rugby Comp welcoming uh, the force back in. Um, what are your goals in terms of uh, your, your time at Rugby WA? Yeah, simple for me. It's to grow and foster the game of rugby in WA. Yeah. Um, ultimately, we want to grow the sport um, in the juniors and the seniors and we want to create a, a, a competition that people want to come and play at high level that are ultimately going through the system to becoming homegrown Western Force and Wallaby players. Yeah. So that ultimately that's the goal and it's it's all encompassing. It's it's male, it's female, it's boys, it's girls. We want a product and a program that people want to play. Um, and I'm also big on the what can rugby offer off the field as much as it can on the field. And you know that's that's mateship, that's uh, lessons learned through the coaching, the resilience, the ups and downs. And most importantly, working within teams. I wouldn't be where I am today mm. off the field if it wasn't for rugby and what I'd learnt through the through working in teams, through going through dire situations, through going positive situations and how to manage to get the best out of people. Yeah. So um, I credit a lot to the sport. Yeah. And and just lastly, uh, on the cystic fibrosis front as well, you know, the, the outcomes are, are getting more and more positive all the time, yep. aren't they? How big a focus is that for you in, in promoting awareness? And, of course, from that comes the research and the money yep. uh, and an improvement on those outcomes as well. How much of a focus is that for you? Yeah, uh, it, it's a focus from the sense of profile um, and, and leading the message. Yep. Um, but going out and driving and, and rattling tins, that's not that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we're, we're, we're on a strong drive. Um, I, I run a couple of lunches um, every now and again, rugby for research. We try and raise money uh, to go towards research. <coughs> um, excuse me, to... You know, to find out what drugs can be used, when, how, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. uh, you know, we're at a stage now where we're lobbying really hard with the government. And I know Ray Hadley's provided his support recently around Tricafter and getting that on the PBS because it costs, you know, $250,000 uh, a year for a one year. person. But wow. if we can get on the PBS, then that, sig- that reduces significantly and that can change someone's life. Yeah. So um, I'd say 
go on, let's do the right thing, get on the PBS. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if anything, your story is uh, inspiration enough uh, to, to continue making progress. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I know some of it's still very personal to you uh, and all the best uh, in your relatively new role at the helm of Rugby WA as well. And we look forward to uh, the Bledisloe particularly uh, coming to Optus Stadium as well. August 21. <laughs> Lock it in the diary. Nathan Charles, thank you so much for sharing your story. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.